This week at church, media director Jonathan McKinley shares his sermon, Don't Waste Your Breath. Gold and silver I don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's exciting. That is something to get excited about. It's powerful. But, but what if the beggar didn't respond? You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on 426 Laurelwood Road in Pottstown. That's right by the Coventry Mall. Also, if this ministry has touched you in any way, please send us an email at info at c3pottstown.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you enjoy today's message. So I do want to take a minute just to talk about where we are as a church. <clears throat> and it's funny because every time I preach, I talk about where we are as a church because it's always astonishing to me uh, how far we've come. And it's really overwhelming just to see this group of bo- like this group of Christians, this body thriving as one body. And um, I know that going forward, there's only better things to come uh, for what God has for us. And I'm really excited about that. And I will say, if you're watching by television, I would really urge you to quit being a spectator and come through our doors, join this amazing body of believers and see what God has for you. You know, for a long time, we've kind of joked around about being the best kept secret in Pottstown, and I really think it's time to let that secret out. So if you're watching by TV, please join us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. The address is on the broadcast as well, so please come out. Now, I don't say that just to puff us up or to blow smoke or anything like that, but I sincerely believe that the best is yet to come. I mean, if we kind of look on the timeline of Calvary Christian Center, um, I really think, and Pastor asked me not to talk about this because he said there's no controversy right now. And I said, well, all right, I'll think about it. I thought about it. But I really want to talk about the stage for a second. Now, on the timeline of the church, the stage even, it has nothing to do with, with anything because it just serves as, as a, a click on the timeline for me of where we were. So when we decided to make this change that keeps on changing, um, we were a body of 50 people, roughly. Now, any from then till now, we're continuously around, you know, 70, 80 people, give or take, including kids, because they count. But the stage has nothing to do with that. I mean, sure, the designs are cool, and the colors are nice, and, you know, black is dark, and all that fun stuff. But stages don't make a church, and stages don't mean anything. So the stage can't grow a church, absolutely not. And that's not even what matters to me. What matters to me is it just serves as a a reminder of where we were to where we've come. Does anybody like, uh, like the renovation shows on TV, like on HGTV, stuff like that? Yeah, my in-laws are obsessed with them. And uh, my mother-in-law actually started a business for like interior design and all this different stuff. And she does, um, with her husband, they've done some renovations on some houses. And uh, Mandy and I watched them here and there. There was a time we watched a lot of them. And um, I always hear one thing in this Every show, it's always the same thing. The house has good bones. It's got good bones. It just, it looks rough on the outside, but it's got good bones. And you know, the text, if we look back into Ezekiel, the text says that God will make breath enter us, then we will come to life. So we can do whatever we want on the outside to make ourselves look good. 
you know, we can paint a stage and we can hang decorations and add lights and add musicians and make a bigger nursery and make a bigger children's church and hand out Christmas trees and have community Thanksgiving dinners. We can do whatever we want. But until God moves, we're lifeless. It doesn't matter if we're a busybody, we can still be a dead body. And you know, I truly believe that this congregation, this building, we have good bones. And I really believe God is going to move among us and breathe life into everything that we are doing, and even more so than he already has, because I don't believe that we have been working idolously. I believe God has been the pilot of everything that we've done. So the first thing that I want to talk about today is only God can bring us to life. He's the only one that can bring us to life. And then once God moves, we're automatically alive, correct? No. Unfortunately, I wish it was that easy. It's, you know, there's been plenty of times in my life where I have felt God move. I felt the presence of the Spirit. I felt promptings, and I've ignored it. And that's embarrassing to say, and it's, I think it's something that we might all be able to say for one point in our life. And, um, you know, it's, I, I spoke a couple, uh, couple months ago and I talked about God's not going to force us to do anything. Now, he makes some pretty good persuasions, but he's not going to force us. And if you don't believe me, just look up the story of Lot's wife. I mean, he told Lot and his family, run away, get away from this town, and don't look back. Did he force her not to look back? No, she looked back and there were consequences. And I know that in my life, there's been consequences for not following the moving of the Spirit as well. So if God moves, then we need to respond with movement as well. You know, I just said there's been times in my life where I've neglected that. And Jesus actually talks about this on a broader scope in John 5, uh, 36 through 40. He says, I have testimony weightier than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to finish the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me. See, when I read that, I really feel that, you know, Jesus, he was in, he was in what do we call it, full-time ministry? I mean, he's the son of God. He's always in ministry. But he was in full-time ministry for three years. Started at the age of 30. In that time, in that three years, how much did he move? Not physically, because we know he was all over the place. But how much did he move spiritually? I mean, he performed 37 miracles. And if we do some math, you know, three years, 36 months, divided by 37, roughly 1.037777777777778 miracles a month. So during those, and the funny thing is, those are the only ones that are recorded. Because even John said, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. 
So in 37 life-changing supernatural miracles, the people who physically saw them weren't even moved to Jesus. So what else does he have to do to prove himself to us? I still don't think it's a lot. The Bible talks about how, you know, we're foolish for wanting signs and wonders. We have the proof in front of us. But, you know, once we make the conscious effort and the decision to move and we accept Christ, what do we need to do next? We need to spread life. So we've accepted life. Now we need to spread the life. And it seems a bit ambiguous to say spread life. But this is what I mean by it. Matthew 28, 18 All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I think that sums it up pretty well for us. So it's pretty clear that if we want to spread life, then we have to spread Christ. The only way we can spread life is to spread Christ. Let's look at an example real quick. So in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, are they're going to the temple. And this is extremely ordinary, extremely predictable for them to go to the temple. There's nothing abnormal about this situation. Then they see a beggar. And I personally think that they have seen this beggar multiple times because they went to the temple multiple times. But this time, it hit them. See, they had a mandate from Christ, and now they had to act. They had to obey. So when they walked up to the beggar, this time, gold and silver I don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's exciting. That is something to get excited about. It's powerful. But, but what if the beggar didn't respond? What if, what if he didn't move? You know, when you think about this, in Genesis 2-7, the Lord formed, or the, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So if this beggar, who was just given healing, just given life from Christ, if he didn't respond, he just wasted his breath. The breath that God gave him, he wasted and you know, back in our, our text, Ezekiel, he didn't sit idle either. He, did, he responded in obedience. He prophesied over those bones that God told him to. And God moved again, just like he said he would, like he always does. So just like that, God, God told the disciples to move. He told Ezekiel to move. He tells us to move, but he doesn't just tell us. He commands us. And then after he moved, there was a noise. And we, we read in Ezekiel, if you keep going, the bones were rattling and there was an earthquake and everything happened and they came together and there was a noise that took place. And God will always let you know when he's moving. You will always hear when he's moving if you listen for it. But if we don't listen, we, we won't grab it. We can't go with it if we don't listen. And if you don't listen, what could happen? If you look in Elijah's life, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets there was, and he did amazing things. Amazing things. But then came Jezebel. And what happened to Elijah? 
He tucked tail and ran. He got scared. You know, the Bible says that he ran for his, he ran for his life. He thought he was going to die, even though he had God on his side. And then God showed up. God said, I'm going to speak to you. You have to listen for my voice. So how did he speak to him? Did he speak to him through a whirlwind? No. Did he speak through the earthquake? No. Through a fire? No. It was through a whisper. The smallest sound that God could make. And that's what he wanted Elijah to listen for, to prove that we have to listen. We can hear an earthquake and not pay attention. You can hear a fire and know it's over there and not care about it. But when you hear a whisper, that means that you're listening. We have to know what God sounds like to know where he is. And to do that, we have to know his breath. So how many of you have sat on the phone with your loved one or someone else and not spoken at all and just listened to each other breathe? I know this is many years ago for many of you. Teenage ambition. You know, I don't think Mandy and I have actually done that, to be honest with you. I don't even like talking on the phone. So, um, but how romanticized is it uh, to just listen to your loved one breathe and know that they're alive. Parents, you know, we watch our kids sleeping and we can hear them breathing and we just know that they're alive. And this is how we know God is alive because we learn his breathing and learn how and when he moves so we can respond. So we know only God can bring us to life and we need to spread life but we also need to know we need to be more than alive. We need to be ready. So to be ready is simply that. It's nothing to overcomplicate. Um, I heard once that the attitude of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. So we have to be ready. If we want something to happen, we have to be ready for something to happen in our lives and in a corporate setting. You know, a miracle, when you break it down, is God moving after some sort of obedience, whether it's Jesus's obedience to the Father when he performed his miracles, or we obey Jesus and live out the great commandment and the great commission. When we respond to Jesus and obey his words, then miracles can happen. So how do we get ready? In uh, Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 20, the answer is another simple one. It's extremely simple. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So to get ready, we have to be in Jesus, not just with him, but put him on us. His word, his teachings, everything that he offers, we need to have ready for when life throws things at us. But what will we do? What will I do when a situation presents itself to share Jesus or respond to a prompting of uh, God or the Holy Spirit? You know, we've been going over the Holy Spirit uh, recently and all the teachings the pastor has been doing and really diving into what God intended for us through the Holy Spirit. You know, this is another tool that God has given us to be ready in life. Being in tune with the Holy Spirit and walking with the helper, as Jesus called him, will allow us to be spiritually ready for the decisions in life, small or large. The smallest decision needs Jesus as much as the largest decision in our life show us the clear path of obedience to move when God moves. You know, this whole idea that I had for today came from a random and slightly weird question uh, that popped in my head one night while Mandy and I were getting ready for bed. And if you've known me for a while or you've talked to Mandy or my family, I'm quite known for having random weird questions that just pop in my head and I don't scream them, I just say them. And, um, they don't have significance to anything that's happening in this situation at all. Uh, and that night, I randomly said, I wonder how many breaths I have taken since I've been born. Now, we all know there's only one person who can actually know that answer. But ironically, there's a website for that. So, <laughs> as of June 22nd, 2017, at 1143 a.m., I had taken 237,268,530 breaths, give or take. My heart has beat over one million times, but that's a different sermon altogether. Within those 300 some thousand almost breaths, how many of those have I wasted? If you think about that, how many have you wasted? Now, of course, we need to physically breathe. We have to, to be physically alive, but our life was set on and started from the breath of God. respond. Not respond to us and what we want to do, but respond to God and what he wants us to do. You know, we have been bought and paid for by Jesus' blood on the cross. And during my 30 years on earth, how many of those breaths have I wasted? Not thanking Jesus and telling others about him. I'll tell you now, I would be devastated by that percentage. So let's not just live through life. Let's not just breathe to stay alive physically. Let's breathe life into others by spreading life that Jesus can only offer. Let's breathe life into our community that surrounds us. And let's breathe life into our families. And let's breathe life into our workplace. Breathe life into our schools. We need 
need to breathe the breath of God. And I'm not talking about just inhaling this time. We need to exhale Christ on everyone around us. And the most important thing, if you haven't yet, let God breathe life into you. It happened once before you were born. But it can continuously happen if you know what to listen for. If you're watching by television, I know you feel the presence of God there. I can feel the presence of God right here. And if you haven't taken that step to accept Christ, it's as simple as admitting you're a sinner and asking for forgiveness. That's all you have to do. Quit wasting your breath on what you want to do. And let's breathe together as a family of believers the breath of God to do God's work, to save other people, to grow his church. team's going to sing a song in just a minute. And it says, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. It's one thing to know Jesus. And it's another thing to follow Jesus. Are we standing on the shore while he's preaching? sure that it's staying afloat. The option's yours. Many people knew Jesus. Many people loved his teaching. But we heard about 12 specific that followed Jesus. I'm sure he had many other people that followed him as well. But just as he called those 12 as his disciples, he's called us as disciples to make I was doing and I prayed for him because 
death was still there, that he was still alive, and that there's still things that we can do to touch anybody. So again, I would urge you to look inside. You know, take take inventory of what's in your heart, what's in your mind. Every Sunday before I come up on this stage, even just to play the drums, I pray a simple prayer because I have a lot of junk that's up in my mind, in my head. I can sit for hours and think at a million miles an hour. And some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't make sense, some of it's nonsense, some of it's damaging to me, some of it's edifying to me, but it seems like I can't turn my brain off a lot of the times. So before I walk on this stage, and there's other places where I do this as well, and I should do it everywhere, I say, God, clear my mind and let me focus on you. It's as simple as that. That's all you have to say. Say, God, clear my mind. Let me focus on you. And use me. If you accept him using you, everything else. Pastor talked about before in situations where he started rambling off scripture in times of need and when he was done, he was like, whoa, I didn't even know I knew that. Or that I remembered that. Jesus is with us and he wants us to breathe his life into others. Let's stand today. so much for the life that you've given us when we were born and when we were born again. And God, I pray that that breath that you gave us when we were born again would not be wasted on things that we want to achieve. Progressing in our lives is great, but if we forget the reason we're alive, then it's meaningless. God, I pray that you would just touch everybody here, everybody watching by television, and I pray that you would just speak to them and show them things in their life, show me things in my life that I need to change, and I need to let you breathe in so I can then breathe you out onto others. serve